This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into Bonus Scoop Tuesday. That's right, Zolgad, executive producer Declan Goff, and the star of the show, as always, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, and just as importantly, Score North and the Scoop Podcast. Also, you get the Bonus Scoop on Tuesday. You get the normal Scoop show that we do with Doogie on Mackie and Judd on Thursday. And, uh, Darren, it's cold outside. It's miserable, uh, or at least trending that way. But let's talk some baseball uh, because um, we certainly have some intriguing news. I I think that's a good way to put it, at least speculation involving the Twins and where things are going or where they might stand with Byron Buxton. Let's start there. Well, on Buxton, so negotiations have continued. Negotiations continued last week in Carlsbad at the GM meetings. When I say negotiations, negotiations about a contract extension. There is a genuine interest, both sides. And this is after the Twins, frankly, Judd, screwed Byron Buxton a couple Septembers ago, not calling him up. They manipulated. They can never admit this, but let's be frank, Judd. They manipulated his service time. Byron Buxton should be on the open market right now. Not a year from now, but right now. But the Twins, well within their right to manipulate, they earn this extra year of service time. But even with that being said, there is a genuine interest. Byron Buxton staying here long-term, the Twins keeping Byron Buxton long-term. But will $80 million guaranteed get it done, Judd? No. They need to go north of $100 million. So that is the question. Will the Twins do that? Simultaneously, they did hold trade discussions last week. I can't tell you specific teams, although logically speaking, the New York Yankees have a need for a center fielder. I think that is one logical destination if a Buxton trade comes to fruition. I think there's some others, too. You can make a case for the L.A. Dodgers, some other big money organizations. So trade talks have happened. So is it entirely possible that at some point this winter we see a Byron Buxton trade? Sure, Judd, it could get to that point. It's just, it's maybe more my opinion. Sure, educated, I'm getting information both sides. But when I hear that there is this genuineness, I still deep down, especially the Polad family, I think it would be really, really hard for the Polad family to trade Byron Buxton, I just think in the end, 
they find a way, even if it's an overpay. Now, we can debate what an overpay would be for a player of that caliber, but a player that just frankly doesn't stay in the field for long enough stretches. But when he's on the field, he's as valuable as it gets. So this is a situation that because of last week, the GM meetings has started to ramp up, certainly ramped up last week. Talks continue. Presumably talks continue not only with Buxton's representation, but also with other organizations. So it's a fascinating situation to follow. Will the Twins trade Buxton or will they extend him? I do think it's one or the other. I just don't think they start next season without some sort of extension in place, him entering his walk year. So I think this winter we'll get clarity one way or another, extension or trade. What financially is fair? So for both sides to to say, okay, let's do this. What is a financially fair um, uh, when it comes to the cash and term of a contract that would keep Byron Buxton in center field for the Twins? Well, I mean, now the Twins might argue George Springer going to Toronto last winter, six years, $150 million. They could argue that's an outlier. But if you're the Buxton camp, don't you have to look at that George Springer contract and say, okay, 31-year-old George Springer with a little bit of an injury history, not a great one, not a lengthy one, but yep. some injuries there. If he can get 6-150, isn't our client the better player and the younger player worth at least that. Now, do I think there is a scenario where the Twins could wrap up Buxton by going a touch lower? Possibly. I mean, if they went six years, 135, 140, do I think if that money is sitting there for Byron to take that he actually says no? I'm not convinced of that. But I'm just saying, if you're the Buxton representation, how do you not look at that George Springer contract and say, if he got that, our client is worth at least that. I agree completely. Yep. Um, so we we get get the news this morning out of Toronto. Jose Brios has agreed to a seven year contract with the Jays. So he's not going to hit the market, which I think a lot of us at one point expected, especially when he was here, that he certainly would. Um, would the Twins have gone near that contract? And and are, are you surprised that the Blue Jays? It's not so much the um, financial term to me as as the length of the contract. Are you surprised that 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 he did get in the end seven years? Well, I mean, if you look at the seven years, so one year is his arbitration year. So really, it's a six year extension for one hundred and twenty million. Six years, one twenty takes him through what his age thirty four season. Now you wonder about you know the fastball velocity. What's his fastball velocity at 32, 33, 34? But he's Mr. Durability. Now there's a flip side to that. Is he due for some sort of injury? Because it's darn near inevitable with just about every starting pitcher Mm -hmm. as they rake up innings pitched, pitches thrown, that there is going to be some sort of injury. But for Jose, there hasn't been an injury. He's been incredibly durable. You know, so there's something to be said about that. It's another complicated and fascinating situation. Here is the reality. The Twins tried for three years to extend Jose Barrios. Judd, they never came close in terms of term getting to that point six, seven years down the road. Average annual value, 
in that 18 to $20 million a year range, yeah, my sense is the Twins were willing to at least enter that ballpark. Maybe not quite to that point, but somewhere in that vicinity. I told you all along, he was never taking less than what Lance McCullers Jr. got from Houston. Five years, $85 million. Mm-hmm. But it just it never got to that point. But the Twins tried. Make no mistake about this. The Twins tried for a really long time to extend Barrios. Derek Falvey, as recently as last week, when meeting with reporters, Judd, said his sense was that Jose wanted to explore free agency. Now, within the same breath, he said, hey, you know, I don't know if him getting to Toronto changed some things. When you get that sort of offer, when it's sitting there, and if you look at all the pitchers that will be on the open market a year from now, no guarantees that Barrios would have gotten that. So when it's sitting there for the taking, I understand him taking it. And I really don't look at it. I'm telling you, I don't look at it as seven years, 131 or 137, because he still has the arbitration year. So to me and others, six years, I've texted with a number of people this morning, because to me, it's something that I knew would come up in our conversation today. It needs to be viewed as six years, $120 million. So what is that? $20 million a year. I don't think the twins ever got to $20 million a year, but I'm telling you, my sense is they were willing to come close to that. But certainly in, in terms of term, length right. of contract, years given out, the Twins were not willing to do that. I like the return, just for the record, Judd, I like the return the Twins got for Brios. I was with Trent Palmer. I've been catching up with a few different minor leaguers that are back in town because they're back in town for a few weeks before heading back down south for some off-season work. Mm-hmm. So one of the minor leaguers I recently connected with Trent Palmer, he was a third-round pick of the Blue Jays a year ago. Anoka High School, University of Jacksonville, had a good run for the Blue Jays at Dunedin this past season, threw a couple no-hitters. So Trent knows a lot of things about pitching. He told me a lot of good things about Simeon Woods Richardson. So I've heard a lot of good things about the arm the Twins got for Brios. Austin Martin had a good run at AA. We wonder if the power will ever come, but there's a lot to like. Like, he doesn't strike out. There's a lot of contact there. He can play some center field. He can play in the infield. Austin Martin has a relatively high ceiling. So to get Martin and Woods Richardson, I applaud the Twins for getting that sort of return. I also think it's probably easier when you're the Blue Jays to give Barrios this sort of contract after giving up assets like that. But bottom line is, Judd, the Twins never came close. They were not in the vicinity of what Jose gets here with the Blue Jays. Speaking of, of that, Dukes, um, so the the potential for a work stoppage in baseball is going to hit on December first. Well, it's coming, right, Jed? We just we yeah. wonder how long it'll it'll right. stick for, but a work stoppage is coming December first. Right. So, so we, we have seen we have seen a select few teams so far, though, make moves. Do you expect that the Twins are going to dip their toe in uh, to the potential waters? of making a move before then, or are they going to stay silent? Because we've seen the Tigers make a move. Uh, the Jays did. So are the Twins, like, going to be active here or probably just non-participants, and then the game is going to unfortunately shut down for a while? Well, and the Tigers signed Eduardo Rodriguez. I'll get to him in a second. The Twins made Andrew Henney an offer, right, Judd? So if Henney had accepted their offer – yeah, We could pencil in Andrew Henney in the Twins' rotation right this second. They were not willing to go quite as high as the Dodgers went on the guaranteed money, but they were in the ballpark 
And in terms of performance bonuses, you know, it was a pretty good offer. Like I'm told the Twins made him a nice one-year offer. Not quite what the Dodgers offered, but it was a nice one-year offer. So they made an offer. Now, like on Noah Syndergaard, he comes off the board today, goes to the LA Angels, one-year, $21 million. I'm told the Twins were not interested. On Eduardo Rodriguez, I'm told he actually came up because I may have been a little misleading in a tweet a couple days ago saying the Twins were not in on Rodriguez. He came up, I'm told, internally a good amount. There was some sort of conversation with his representation. It never got to the point of the Twins making a firm offer. What did he end up with, five years, 75 to 80 million with the Tigers? So, I mean, that's a good offer for Eduardo Rodriguez. So I applaud him, his representation for getting that. I also applaud the aggressiveness of the Detroit Tigers. Thank you. I am so sick of Major League Baseball's slow play in free agency. Like, stop waiting to get a steal of a deal. Like, if you think it's a fair offer, make the offer. So I applaud the Detroit Tigers for for doing that. I wish the Twins would be as aggressive. If there's a guy you really, really like, go make the offer. Go get him. Now, I think a trade is coming at some point, Judd, for an arm. Now, I'm not suggesting it's going to be – you know, a true number one or even like a legit number two. But there's a number of arbitration-eligible starters entering, you know, year two of arbitration, year three of arbitration mm-hmm. that teams are putting on the market that I could see the Twins making a move for a starter like that. But I don't know, Judd, if it's going to happen before December 1st or if it's when the work stoppage ends. I think a lot of people in baseball are optimistic it'll end at some point. Now, is that February 15th or April 15th? That's more the question. Will we actually lose games, like legitimately lose games, or you know, is spring training shortened by two, two and a half, three weeks, and it's just a quicker ramp up to a full 162 game schedule, or is opening day pushed back a week or two? The season instead of ending November second ends up ending, you know, November 12th or November 13th. You know, there's different scenarios like that. But I just I haven't talked to anybody yet, Judd, that really firmly believes that like we're going to actually miss games, but this thing could linger for at least a couple months. But moves are coming. I mean, clearly the Twins are going to sign some guys, many guys, to minor league contracts sure, that yeah. have a chance to maybe make you know the 26-man roster at some point. But I also think they will end up signing a guy or two to a major league contract. But don't sleep on, on the trade market. I had two agents who met with the Twins in Carlsbad. Tell me, Judd that their sense is the Twins are more exploring the trade market than the free agent market. Both of these agents represent logical starting pitchers. Starting pitchers that are still on the market, by the way, this second. Good starting pitchers. Starting pitchers that I think you and I would both say, you know what? Like the Twins should make a nice offer for that guy. That guy would really help the Twins. And yeah, so the Twins met with the agent. So clearly there's some level of interest being shown. But both these agents left the meeting with the twins believing that the twins are going to explore the trade market before they explore the free agency market. Who's being shopped? Well, Sano. Yeah. I think the twins are open-minded to trading a lot of guys. Yeah. Are they open-minded if the right opportunity presents itself to moving Max Kepler? Yes. Would they move Miguel Sano? Judd, they would. Who wants Miguel Sano though? You look at catcher, you know, if you believe in Ryan Jeffers, you know, would you try to to get something really good for Mitch Garver? Now, I really like Mitch Garver, but if you could get a good return for Mitch Garver, like I think the Twins 
I'm telling you, Jeff, like, I don't know. Like, look at their roster. Like, who truly is untouchable? I'm not quite sure they have many guys that are untouchable. Really, like, look, who's really untouchable? Now, do I think they're trading Alex Kirilov? No, you know, but I'm just telling you, like, look at the roster. Do I think they're trading Jorge Polanco? No. But, like, can I sit here and tell you Louis Arise is untouchable? No. Can I sit here and tell you Max Kepler is untouchable? Heck no. Can I sit here and tell you Mitch Barber is untouchable? Heck no. So I think the Twins are open-minded to many, many possibilities. Vikings. What is um, – so So I, I see a potential dude's conundrum here, all right? Cam Bynum steps in and, and Smith goes on the, the uh, COVID list two weeks back. And Harrison Smith just got the contract extension. He is uh, beloved. His head coach loves him. Cam Bynum steps in and in two games makes more splash plays than Smith had made uh, throughout the entire season. Is Smith set to return? And most importantly, do we have a feeling of, of how this potentially impacts his future? Because his new contract is intriguing in this sense. Um, there is no guaranteed money left in that contract after 2021. And so it's not like they're on the, the hook. Uh, I'm just curious how, how this potentially might impact him because Bynum certainly looks to be an intriguing alternative at a much cheaper price. Well, Woods is a free agent after the year. So could you look at a 2022 safety combo of Smith and Bynum? Thus, you don't re-sign Woods, who's been good. Yep. But could you look at a scenario like that to be determined? Yeah, clearly Bynum has proven he belongs, right, in the long-term planning. Like, if you had told me in August, Cam Bynum of this rookie class, you know, outside of Christian Darrisaw would be making the biggest splash out, I said, what? Like, Wyatt Davis, he's going to be a starter on the offensive line. He's a non-factor. You know, I might have told you that Smith Marset would have more of an impact, you know, maybe more so on special teams, but he's been injured. Like, I didn't see Cam Bynum all of a sudden being this sort of splash player. That being said, Harrison Smith is doing well. I'm told COVID really didn't hit him hard. You know, I mean, it hits people different ways. In his case, didn't hit him hard. It just didn't. So, yeah, he'll be back in the building tomorrow, Wednesday. I mean, I fully expect him to be on the field against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I would be very, very surprised. Mm -hmm. If Harrison Smith is not a starter on Sunday. Michael Pierce, um, we're now at, what, five or six games missed? Uh, they, they finally uh, shifted him to the IR on Saturday. When can we expect to see the, the return of the Vikings back in March of 2020, their biggest free agent splash who didn't play in 2020 because of COVID concerns and now has played in about, what, four games because of an elbow problem? So unfortunate. Really good player. Like, he splashed as much as anybody in training camp. Like, being up close, the access we get for yeah, training camp, good. like, he stood out as much as any player on the roster. I mean, he looked so good. Yeah, it was the Cleveland game, right, week four, that he got hurt, so he missed he got hurt the Detroit pra- game, the Carolina game. He got hurt in Yeah, practice. it was practice. That's right. Browns aggravated it and hasn't been seen since. That's right. So he missed Detroit, Carolina. Rick Spielman then during the bye week tells us, yeah, we think he'll be back for this Dallas game. Misses the Dallas game, misses the Baltimore game, misses the Los Angeles game. Now, finally, after missing five games, placed on injured reserve, or I guess maybe it was the day before he missed that fifth game. Here's what I can tell you on Pierce, because it's something we've talked about on this segment, the idea that, that he'll need surgery. 
What I can tell you, Judd, is at least immediately, he is not undergoing any sort of surgery. Maybe eventually, but right now. And, like, if surgery was a legit option, don't you think, like, you would undergo it right now? But I'm told, no. No surgery, immediate future, Michael Pierce. I'm not suggesting that in March, you know, a surgery won't take place. You know, we'll see as as we get to, you know, the offseason. But right now, I'm told by a source close to Pierce, no plans for immediate surgery. Can we expect to see Patrick Peterson on Sunday who who can return from his hamstring? And also, what's your uh, best guess or intel about when we might see Anthony Barr back on the field? Because th- well, this, knee, this knee is clearly a chronic problem. It definitely is a chronic problem. So, you know, it's it's how much can he overcome? I mean, I think the Vikings are hopeful. I guess this is what I can tell you. The Vikings are hopeful that he's on the field on Sunday against the Packers. But you're right. This knee issue, I mean, Adam Zimmer suggested as such. But you even brought this up to me. It might have been more off mic, not on mic. But you had told me weeks ago, this is a chronic issue with the knee. It is a chronic issue with the knee. So the knee is going to be an issue the rest of the year. I can't foresee, you know, scenario where Barr is back in purple next year. So this is the end of Anthony Barr's Vikings tenure in my mind. The question is, has he played his last game in purple? I don't sense he has played his last game in purple. But, yeah, I mean, just another unfortunate situation with Anthony Barr. Alexa was reminding me of a few reminders there, Judd, in the background. So, yeah, what was the first part? So, yeah, I mean, you would think I could multitask, right? Like I could listen to Alexa and listen to you, but Alexa drew my attention. So what was the first part of your inquiry? If she's got scoops, do not cut her off. Um, Well, no, she normally has something, but what was the first part? Patrick Peterson. Yeah, Patrick Peterson. So I was with Patrick Peterson at a turkey giveaway in Egan at a church on Monday. We asked him. There was just a few of us there. We asked him, you know, are you going to be back on on Sunday? He played coy. You know, I mean, not surprisingly, I saw a Vikings media uh, representative there, you know, talking to Patrick before he came over to talk to a few of us. So this individual schooled him on on what to say, presumably. Now, he was running one day last week in practice. He did say he feels good, but said, hey, we'll know more on Wednesday. So – I'd love to tell you, yes, like 100%, we will see him on Sunday. I also know this much, 31-year-old cornerback, hamstring. Like, that's not one you just come back from snap of the fingers. And just the way, like, I think if if it was 100%, now maybe we do see him on on Sunday, Judd, and, and I apologize for waffling here a little bit. Maybe we do see him on the field on Sunday. But the way he answered the question, like, why not just say, yeah, I'm good, I feel great, I plan on playing. Uh, He didn't say that, so that makes me pause ever so slightly. Rashad Breeland against the Packers, and that quarterback in particular, scares me because that's going to be – they're going to attack him. Um, Timberwolves, what's up there? Because that was a fun game, fun loss to to the Suns last night. But, damn, Doogie, I don't understand with 5.6 seconds left and the Wolves down by two, how how you don't find a way to drop a play – that puts that basketball square in the hands of Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, D'Lo takes the shot. It's a, a three-pointer to win the game. Misses. Uh, but Towns was, I in the fourth quarter of that game, outstanding. Disappointing, at the very least, to say that Towns, on that particular possession, I don't think touched the basketball. 
He was outstanding for most of the game, first quarter. Now, he had a bunch of turnovers, so he had some boneheaded plays. But that was Cat's game last night. That wasn't Ant's game. That wasn't D'Lo's game. That was Cat's game. How many touches did he have final four and a half minutes? D'Lo took, I think, Phil. It wasn't very many. That was the problem. Forget that last possession. Fine. You want to harp on the last possession, Judd? Fine. You can. To me, it was the total body of work last, like, four and a half-ish minutes. But how does that happen? Well, how does that happen? How does Chris Finch, you know, burn his his challenge so early? And it was a dumb challenge. Like, he really could have used that challenge later on. Remember Devin Booker went to the free throw line. It was during that run where Cat got teed up, Ant got teed up. Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker ends up getting two free throws on a BS call. It sure would have been nice to have your challenge right then and there. So it was not a great night for Chris Finch. And yeah, like you get Phoenix now back to back. So maybe some tired legs, but you get Phoenix to shoot as poorly as they did. You have to find a way to win that game. 38% from the field. You just do. Now, you know, the Wolves can look at the landscape of the Western conference. The bottom of the Western conference is abysmal. Now Oklahoma city is playing hard and playing for the most part pretty well, but I don't see the Thunder as a playoff team. We know the Rockets stink. The Pelicans stink. There's talk in Sacramento of Luke Walton losing his job. Now, they won last night in Detroit. San Antonio, for the most part, stinks. So there still is an opportunity to slide in oh, yeah. to the play-in tournament. But it's yeah. what we said. It's, it's what we've always said, Judd. This roster has warts. Yes, I did take them to go over the Vegas over-under of 34 and a half, but not significantly over. I was thinking, you know, 36, 37 wins. That means you end up losing like seven more games than you win. That is not a productive season. Now for this franchise being rock bottom, them ending up 37 and, you know, 44, 45, whatever it is to equal 82, that would be progress for this franchise. Being the 10 seed in the play-in tournament would be progress, but like, what are you ultimately, what are you really accomplishing being the 10 seed out of 15 teams in the Western Conference? I can make a stronger case just to hit rock bottom again and take your chances and, you know, get some lottery luck and end up with either the kid from Duke, who just apparently got arrested for for a Dewey, yeah, uh, or, or Chet Holmgren, or, I mean, there's some other really good prospects. This is another really good draft to have a top three, top four pick. So you can make a case – Wolf fans don't want to hear it because it's the same theme seemingly every year. But, like, hit rock bottom. Build around Anthony Edwards. But last night, Edwards couldn't make a shot. That was Cat's game. Like, Cat was brilliant offensively. I thought it was a good mix of two-point shots, three-point shots. He got to the free throw line. That was a really good game from Cat. We can debate the effort on the defensive end, but he was exerting so much energy on the offensive end. I can live and die with that sort of game. He needs help from his teammates on the defensive end. But that was a phenomenal game from Carl Anthony Towns. But, like, I'm telling you, Judd, like, how do you lose that game? That was a really hard game but to lose. But how is he not touching the ball late then? He has to. And that's on the coaching staff. That's yeah. on Chris Finch. And I've I've sung for a while that Chris Finch is, is an offensive savant, that this man knows how to coach offensive basketball. So far this year, we haven't seen it. I'm willing to give him more time because of his track record because of all the people in the league that I trust that tell me this man is a really, really brilliant offensive mind. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's mm-hmm. give it more time. But so far, 
this team has been putrid offensively. Let me give you another Wolves note, Judd. I'm told they are negotiating with Gerson Rosas on a settlement. So he was still under contract for this season. They fired him. Do they owe him the entire money for this year? You know, they're going to fight on some points, right? Insubordination. Heck, what they were fined for on Monday. Like, how does Gerson not know the rules on that? Now, admittedly, Judd, I didn't know the rules on that. Like, I met with Chris Finch at the State Fair before they went down to Miami. He was openly talking about how he's going down there. They're going to get in this on-the-court work. Yeah, they're going to bond off the court. But, like, he was talking to me very openly about the trip. Gerson Rosas at one point was talking to me openly about this Miami trip. Now, they stressed that Cat and D'Lo organized it. Did they really organize it? Did they really pay for the flights for guys to get down there? So, you know, there's some things to still figure out. But the Wolves are very open about the September trip to Miami to get work in. And I thought it was legit. Like, I didn't think the NBA had a problem with it, but clearly they did. So the Wolves are fined $250,000. So if you're Glenn Taylor, that's another strike against Gerson as you're trying to negotiate this settlement with Rosas. I'll give you another thing that somebody told me that, that this person knows a lot of stuff. He just told me to explore the dynamic Glenn Taylor, Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez. That Now, I don't know if Glenn would ever say this on the record, Judd, but Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are so omnipresent. I think people are forgetting that Glenn Taylor is the owner of this team. Oh, yeah. This is not Mark's team right now. This yeah. is not Alex Rodriguez's team. This is Glenn Taylor's team, and it's going to be his team for the next two years. We are still two years away from Mark and Alex elevating up. Oh, by the way, are we for sure they're going to get their finances in order? The Wolves certainly believe they will. Enough people believe they will, but they still need to get their finances in order. That's still something that needs to occur. They don't have the money right this second to be the majority owners. But nonetheless, somebody who knows a lot of things just told me to study that. Now, I'm trying to track down Glenn. I didn't see him at the game last night. It was a who's who at the game last night. I saw Ben Johnson courtside. Brett Burns was courtside. Mark Laurie was courtside. I did not see Glenn Taylor at last night's game. So he might be out of town on business or pleasure. He might be at his house down in Naples. It doesn't matter where he is, but I will try to track him down. But even if I do, I'm not sure he'll admit anything on the record. So, are, so is the insinuation that Glenn is mad about the perception of the fact that th- these guys are now in charge of the franchise? It was more a suggestion by somebody who knows a lot of stuff for me to explore the dynamic. Okay. So it I wasn't mean, necessarily an insinuation that he's mad time. or upset, but I just I think I think some people are forgetting Glenn Taylor's still the owner. I mean, I think there's they truth to. to that. They want to forget that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And I guess I can't fault people them. People are coming out in many ways. Yeah. That, and Mark is is all over social media. He yeah. tweets people back. I mean, you know, Mark Laurie's got a lot of Mark Cuban to him. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. You know, but I'm just telling you, I was told to explore the dynamic: oh, Glenn Taylor, Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez. You tell Phil that on Thursday, his head's going to pop off in Seattle. His head's <laughs> going to come right off his neck. It's going to pop off. It's going to hit the ceiling. Phil's going to go crazy. I can't wait. And I'm not suggesting like it's to the point of, you know, there's been, you know, F-U-F-U that it's, you know, some sort of soured relationship. I'm just saying somebody told me to explore the dynamic, Glenn with Mark and Alex. So I'm presenting that to you on this segment, but I don't have all the answers to that dynamic. 
Hopefully right. in the future, I have at least some of the answers. Talk to you Thursday, Darren. Thank you. How did we not rip the Gopher football team, Jet? We ran out of time, and, I mean, what what more is there to say? They won't bench the quarterback. Uh, Fleck can't coach in-game. Fleck defends himself and is petulant at times. I, like, I'm just, I'm just past them right now. Well, here's a scoop for you, although I think I've mentioned this before. I don't know how recent, because I think it goes back a while, but Fleck has talked to Morgan about using the free year and being his quarterback again next year. That oh, if Tanner Morgan wants to come back no. next year, he can. And this is not any sort of indictment on Tanner the person. No, great The guy. man is an unbelievable ambassador for the program. He's an unbelievable human being. His late father, his mom, did an unbelievable job raising this young man. You can't make a better person than Tanner Morgan. But on the field, he should have been benched by now. Co'Keefe, early in that game on Saturday, was open. Tanner Morgan waits too long to fire the pass. Incomplete pass. That third down pass to Chris Altman-Bell, left sideline, that was too high. Yeah, his receivers at times let him down on Saturday, but he also missed on a number of throws. The end of the game, how do you take a sack? He had every opportunity to throw that ball out of bounds. And it's not all about Tanner. You're right. P.J. Fleck attempting a 53-yard field goal with a kid who had not attempted a kick Ask all nine. year. Clock Ask management, nine. end of the first half. I would have gone for it, you know, fourth down, two-yard line. But we can debate that point. But – it goes back to brilliant job by P.J. Fleck's agent. The contract extension overall doesn't bother me, but the Gophers were well within their right to wait. Let's see how the Iowa and Wisconsin games go. P.J. Fleck still hasn't beaten Iowa. He's only beaten Wisconsin once. Frankly, they should beat Wisconsin here on November 27th, so he should get win number two against the Badgers, and I get it. The Badgers are rolling right now, but here at Huntington Bank Stadium, the Gophers should win that game a week from Saturday and absolutely beat Indiana who just lost to Rutgers by 35 points. But the Gophers would have been well within their right to wait on Fleck. Who was hiring P.J. Fleck, Judd? Not USC, not not TCU. Now, Virginia Tech just opened up. Was P.J. Fleck really going to Virginia Tech? No, I'm sorry. Now, they could have used that as leverage, but I'm sorry. Do I think Virginia Tech would have had interest in Fleck? Probably, but do I think ultimately he was leaving here for Virginia Tech? I'm sorry. Don't see it. Maybe Penn State if James Franklin takes the USC job, but I'm just telling you, not LSU, not USC. Any suggestion that P.J. Fleck is like a top three or was a top three candidate for the USC job, dismiss. That is BS. He was not atop the USC list. He can't take the heat at a big-time program because he can't coach in-game. It's that simple. He needs a lot of in-game work. He's not the only one, but he's an excellent Sunday and Friday coach. Saturday, long way to go. Exactly right. All right, Dukes, we'll talk to you Thursday. Thank you. Okay, see you, boys. Bye-bye. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.